All right, so this is a pre-recorded episode because on the weekend we normally record this, I am not in at home, so that is why. Mm. So, mm-hmm. if important things have happened, as we always say, we won't be talking about it. Sorry. Mm. Maybe there's a 14-inch <laughs> MacBook Pro out. Don't know. Sh- not talking yeah. about it. Mm. Maybe, maybe. That means if you if you tuned in t- for me to talk about Stadia, I will not oh, do that this no, week. Oh, no, that's so sad. But the week after. Yeah, Stadia is launching. Mm. Stadia did launch. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a super exciting thing. Mm. Uh, let's talk about things we know about. All right. Let's not we know let's about talk about future it. things that may or may not happen. Let's talk about things that have happened. Like, Malin, you need to fill in my gaps. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to start talking <laughs> about. I know. Oh, no, the oh, segue no. didn't work. Uh, <laughs> um, All right, let's start with a non-invasive uh, CGM. No, 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 no. <laughs> this was more just a filler topic. It's okay. Wait, you didn't even put that in. I put what? that in like three put- weeks away. Oh, go. No, I put that in. I put that in like three minutes ago, oh. like 30 minutes ago. Okay, what do you want to say about it? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. No, because I had, I had CGM on the topic notes like weeks you ago did, as yeah. a filler topic. Yeah. yeah. So for those who don't know what CGM is, it's Continuous Coast Coast Monitor. Mm-hmm. Monitoring. Uh, monitoring. Uh, most people seem to know that, uh, you know, if you have diabetes or if you're interested in knowing your blood sugar, you need to prick your finger and draw blood. Um, but mm. the the dream of non-invasive glucose monitoring has not yet been realized. Um, but mm. when it is, the hope is that you don't need to draw blood to check your blood sugar. So, and usually, uh, usually that is a topic that Zach would bring up. That is true. Another- I thought I thought this was just a carryover from like many weeks ago when I had it in our notes, but apparently not. So let's uh, let's hear no. what Kai has to say. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you want to say about this, Kai? Uh, we, have, we have high expectations. I know, I know, and I'm getting a bit stressed here. Mm-hmm. Sorry, abort, abort. So much pressure. Um, no, just there is a lot of. All right, so tracking, backtracking a bit. Um, there, there were always rumors that Apple would go into that, right? Because uh, it kind of seems like a decent fit for for something for Apple to put in an Apple Watch to have a non-invasive glucose mm-hmm. monitoring. So the way they try to achieve that is essentially <clears throat> not too dissimilar from how they do like heart rate. Like they they have like an optical sensor on the back of the device. It would look at your blood um, and kind of sees pulsing and therefore through something like in, uh, um, like 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 how would they, how would it look at your blood? Like optics, like they have like a like basically camera lens kind of thing. Okay, okay, and and some green light to to make it easier to look into it. Um, uh, and then they can see like your your blood moving, and therefore they know your heart rate. And a similar strategy was was uh, I mean rumors, but it seems like uh, Apple followed a similar strategy uh, in order to to get your blood sugar levels by looking at the blood and looking at apparently it is possible to to optically uh, see how much sugar is in your blood. Um, but apparently that is really really hard. Um, when you to detect low blood sugar like high high blood sugar contents are apparently relatively easy to detect what is really really difficult is low blood sugar and that i mean you're probably uh more informed than i am but i think low on average is probably more urgent to know about than high that's correct yep uh so therefore um i don't know i mean we'll see if apple has something but apparently that is a very challenging uh, thing to do and no i know it's not easy like a lot yeah 
none of the none yeah. of the research is um, super convinced that it's possible either. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, who knows? Apple Apple has money and time, and definitely yeah. something that would and uh, I also think have a big impact. So I'm I wouldn't I mean I I, I would be surprised if Apple would come completely drop that yeah. but there there has been like a fair in 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 europe um with some other alternatives because um i think they're partially part of a team that that tried to do optical things but it didn't work so what they're developed i don't really know how to pronounce the name but it's like the k-watch glucose from pk vitality which is uh, a company that tries a bit of a different approach it's still not fully uh, non-invasive, but they essentially have something that looks like a like a band-aid patch that has fifteen really short, um, I, I guess needle doesn't doesn't sound yeah it doesn't right, sound but it's like super short needles like it's it's like I think a millimeter long hmm. um, that you would put on your arm and then you would basically put put a watch on top of that um, in order to to get pretty accurate readings so it's still technically not non-invasive because it does have those needles but it's even if you're not um like if if you're not requiring this kind of device this is something that is not uncomfortable enough for for people to wear it feels like wearing sandpaper is what i've heard it described as which is not sounding like something you would want to do on like you know no one was was after being able to wear sandpaper but it doesn't sound like uh like pricking yeah. your finger is probably less comfortable than, than yeah. wearing that device. And it's still, the benefit of it is it's still a device you can wear continuously and it doesn't look like a medical device that you have to, to like insert into your body. It's a very um, kind of blends in because it can be any device on top of that kind of uh, patch. And I thought it was kind of interesting and I was wondering if you heard of of that particular one or similar approaches? I had heard of a watch. I didn't realize it was somewhat invasive. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't didn't look into it too much because, the I don't know, it could be a different watch that I heard about. The verdict was that it was not very accurate and it was not recommended basically by anyone. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't. Glaring uh, reviews. I decided to not pursue that one. Um, maybe one day. But, yeah, no, it is, it is a shame and it is a hard problem, but... I mean, I would like to believe that there are companies out there with a lot of money who can throw mon- throw that money at this problem and try and solve it. Um, I mean, uh, eventually, if slash when it is solved, there will be a lot of uh, financial reward for the company that Definitely. manages to crack Without it. Without a doubt. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, even if it was it's- a multi-billion dollar investment, it's like... You will make that yeah. back. You'll um, get that back. Yes, yeah, without you will. That. It'll, it'll, you know, it'll do all right for you. Um, mm. Yeah, but we'll see, I guess, whether uh, whether we get. I mean, uh, I'm hopeful we'll get there. But yeah, and that's the thing. Like, as soon as we get to a point where non-invasive is available, it makes a lot of sense for almost everybody to be tracking their mm. blood sugar. It's like the heart rate yeah. stuff. It's like. I don't have heart problems. I don't think either of you have heart problems, but it's still nice to yep. have that mm. data recorded in mm. the background and be able to look yeah. at it as we need. And the thing is, it's happening when we wear our watch. We don't have to think about it. You know, yep. I wouldn't wear a dedicated heart rate strap thing uh, ever if I don't have a if I don't need to. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but the fact that it's just kind of happening in the background, then it can be quite nice to have that data. And I think the same goes for um, con- like continuously monitoring blood glucose. It doesn't make sense for people who don't have a need to uh, to go through an invasive solution. But if you can, if it can just happen and you can get some insights into your health, um, then it's awesome. And it will probably lead mm-hmm. to people making healthier choices. I know one of the things that many people, when they try continuous glucose monitoring to begin with, they're, they're very surprised at certain foods spiking their blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think yeah. just seeing that and being able to visualize the impact that certain foods have on your body and your blood yeah. sugar is huge. And it's a huge motivator yep. for making better decisions. And I know I've made some mm-hmm. changes since getting uh, that insight, and that's not that's nothing specific to having diabetes. Obviously, the effect is greater on somebody with with mm-hmm. type one diabetes, but the same go like yeah, everyone's blood sugar spikes when they eat. Um, it's just to a lesser extent if you don't have diabetes, and but being able to see that is awesome. Um, and yeah, I think it will enable like, people to make healthier decisions. But it's also similar to the AFib stuff uh, that is already watched. There are also mm-hmm. probably people who have some form of diabetes or blood sugar management issues yeah, and they yeah. don't know about it. Yeah, absolutely. And this could help uh, people realize those problems or, you know, they're slightly yeah. on the high side or whatever it might be. But it's also yep. Apple will never do something. Like I don't ever see Apple doing an invasive solution to this. So for Apple to add that to an Apple Watch, it obviously needs to be non-invasive. 100%, um, yeah. They're, they're yeah. first and foremost a technology company and that technology can do cool stuff but it doesn't go the other way around they're not a medical devices company packaged yeah. into nice yeah. technology mm. but this kind of stuff needs to be solid yeah. right? and it oh, can, 100%. Yeah. even even the heart rate like in the first apple watch like if your heart rate measurement you know it often just flaked out like it wasn't super reliable you can't really do that with continuous glucose monitoring that needs to be a at a way higher reliability percentage than than mm-hmm. just seeing your current heart rate mm-hmm. Which, which obviously also adds more difficulty to to solving that. Would something mm. like semi non invasive, like the that uh, watch, like assuming it's super accurate, would that be something that would be interesting for you, or would I you... mean, if it's super accurate, maybe. But the current solution doesn't feel like sandpaper. Yes, it's inconvenient to always have something stuck to your stomach, but you don't feel it. It's more or less painless. Um, mm-hmm. it's quite, it's quite appealing. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if the semi-invasive technique is still hurts, then I don't know if it's worth it because the accuracy of the continuous glucose monitors that we have at the moment is actually quite, quite good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it can get better, but the thing is it can't get much better because even when we draw blood, there's a level of inaccuracy, uh, and the, the continuous glucose monitors that we have at the moment that are invasive actually come quite close to that. Um, mm-hmm. And I so don't imagine the, you can get to a point where it's better than blood. So yeah. So the benefit of not having to to deal with that entire insertion and changing and those kind of things wouldn't outweigh. Um, like it doesn't y- outweigh pain. Y- uh, yeah, I mean, sandpaper isn't necessarily pain, right? Yeah, uh, but if you're gonna have it on all the time, I think it's like you know when you have like a knitted sweater. That's but I mean, really I, I also imagine like if you wear sandpaper, it's un- slightly uncomfortable as you put it on, but then it stays in place, and then you don't feel it anymore, right? It's not like yeah. those needles will scrape over your arm all the time. They're like they sit on there. It's a patch, right? It's like a yeah. That's why it is a patch because the watch on top of it can move around. It's yeah. just a patch itself that stays in place. So that it's mm-hmm. interesting because you mentioned the pain and of of the insertion. Um, so I, 
in Australia, we don't have the, the latest Dexcom, so the insertion is quite manual, but the latest Dexcom is meant to be quite painless. And I'm actually using one at the moment that isn't a Dexcom that has the automatic insertion thing, which is basically where mm-hmm. it inserts it really fast and draws the needle out uh, almost instantly. So, you, you actually don't no, feel it. And since I've been using this for months, and maybe this is something we'll talk about later, um, since I've been using this for a couple of months now, uh, I haven't had a painful insertion because it's just, it's okay. so fast, this automatic system of in and out that- I don't know. I guess it'd be difficult for it to hurt. Um, it's been really good so far. Mm-hmm. And, and my understanding is that's how the the newest Dexcom is. So, that problem, the, the pain problem is almost entirely solved. I don't want to say it's 100% solved, but it's we're pretty close to it being solved because once the thing is in, uh, you don't- I don't feel it. Anyway, I'm used to it now, but um, yeah. All right. Cool. It's a good question, though. All right. Cool. Um, we were talking a bit about- Swift UI earlier, mm. and we've been kind of been continuing working with our project um, that's currently called Mission Control. Um, so this is a time tracking app, and I feel like we're getting pretty close to shipping now. So this mm-hmm. is really exciting. Um, so in the beginning, it's just gonna uh, it's gonna work with a um, third party service which is called Soho. So if you already have Soho Books, you can use this time tracker. Um, which is very focused. So we've been focusing a lot on being like smartly detecting when you are idle on your Mac. Um, so that's what we've been focusing on now. But we also needed to add a UI. So we decided to do it for Swift with Swift UI. And I got me- I've been getting many people asking me what I think about Swift UI mm-hmm. and whether or not this is uh, something that I would recommend. And I think overall, like what I usually say is that I didn't know AppKit before. I don't have experience with AppKit. So the alternative for me, if I want to make a Mac app, is to start writing it in AppKit. So that's why I feel like writing it in SwiftUI does make sense in our scenario. Of course, we could go with something like um, converting it with uh, Catalyst, but we felt like we wanted our Mac app to be quite different from the, from the iOS app. And there were also... A few like we we felt like we also want to start with a Mac app rather than with an iPad app, so that's why it made sense to do it in SwiftUI. Uh, but overall, I feel like if someone wants to make like a really high end Mac app, I think there are certain frustrations that I always warn people about. I mean, realistically, even for our app, which is we try to keep the scope as small as possible to kind of focus only on the things that we thought we kind of wanted from the app. Yep. Yet we still had to wrap a decent amount of AppKit to to make it work. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's. I mean, totally agree. We we get there a lot quicker than we would have if we would have written it in in AppKit from scratch, probably. Mm-hmm. But it's still you still as a drive by learn a decent amount of AppKit because certain things just don't. Yeah. Exist no, otherwise. what I mean is more that I have a feeling that SwiftUI is going to stick around for quite a while now. Oh, while I'm not yes. sure if AppKit is going to do that. And I think SwiftUI is going to keep on advancing, but I think AppKit is going to stay very much the same. At least the pace, right? The pace of SwiftUI improvements will be faster than the AppKit improvements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I felt like it made sense from that point of view as well to to start with um, SwiftUI. But I feel like what I have learned about... What I have learned through the development of this is that I have to accept that this is not going to be perfect, unfortunately. 
um, there are certain things that I found would work really well in, with SwiftUI on watchOS or on iOS, but then there are certain things that just don't convert to macOS or they're not there for macOS. Um, and that's been a bit frustrating, but um, I'm thinking that we really get there. I think it's mature enough to experiment with, but I think if you want to make something that's quite a complicated UI and you want it to be pixel perfect, it's going to be harder to do that. I think at the moment, but it definitely feels like something that is manageable to work with. But I think you have to be prepared to make some compromises. It also feels like you you sometimes have to write code you would have expected the framework to already do for you. Like like presenting another window in in um, for macOS, you would think, hey, there, surely there's some kind of way of presenting a window. And instead, you have to like wrap an NS window and have some kind of triggers for it to to work with SwiftUI. It's just sometimes things you wouldn't expect you having to do in order to get there. So it's definitely, it's not it's not that the things that are there being flaky. It's more that the there's a lot of things that you need to make a decent Mac app that are just not there at all. Yeah, yeah. So for example... Something like keyboard shortcuts, or the the uh, what's it called the menu bar menu bar integration. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly so the same things, but on I... iOS. I was trying to get a navigation yeah. bar customized yesterday. Yeah, yeah. it's just not possible. We have to fall back to UIKit. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so I I sort of understand why that would not be the highest priority because they would. Like if I was making Swift UI, I would want to focus on the parts that can really be shared, like so sort of like the main views themselves, not things that are platform specifics. So for example, something like keyboard shortcuts is something that's very specific for Mac, and I guess a navigation bar is very specific for Swift uh, sorry, for iOS. So it makes sense that that's being that that's being hauled off on, but I think it would be hard for you to make a, an iOS app or a Mac app if you don't have if you're not willing to learn a UI kit or app kit. Yeah. So I think the f- I think what you end up doing, Zach, is to just wrap it in a UI kit view, right? Basically, yeah. Also, my solution at the moment, and this is going to evolve because this is a new project, and I wanted mm-hmm. to do this exclusively in Swift UI because I was like, this will be a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. If there's things that are simply not, like I'm happy to do work, like not even like yeah, not yeah. hacky workarounds, but like I'm happy to, you know, if you can't do certain things, that's okay. But like this is like fundamental, cannot change the color of a navigation bar in Swift UI. It's like that's mm-hmm. not going to mm-hmm. fly for an app. Um, so <laughs> yeah, my my solution at the moment is that the tab bar controller of the app and all of the navigation controllers inside of each tab bar controller is managed by UIKit, and then. The like the root view controller of the navigation controller is set to a Swift UI view, and this could evolve because the app is not mm-hmm. very complex at the moment. There's not a lot of screens, and maybe this solution doesn't scale. I believe navigation can be done within the Swift UI view with a navigation link or whatever it's called. Um, so that's not a problem. But I'm hmm. just trying to minimize my reliance on UIKit. But it turns out I can't go completely UIKit free. Um, yeah, at least yeah. at least at the moment. And these are things that will likely change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then there are also, like, on top of that, there are also certain things that are just not as reliable as you would want. And it's really hard to fix those. Yeah. Like, we had yeah. an issue where if you have a text... Text component. Component. Mm-hmm. Um, and you change the the, the 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 string that it's supposed to render. And it goes from being one line to being four lines long. The, uh, the calculation of the intrinsic size somehow crashes the app which is not great as and in our situation it's in a list yeah. in a view 
and then it crashes when it changes size, which is not great. And it's really hard to work around that because you don't really have, like, you don't have a hook endpoint to change the, you know, to, to calculate the intrinsic size. You can just override that. Yeah, and so even if it would be kind of painful. Yeah. So what you need to do instead, or the workaround that, that I thought of so far is that you actually replace that view. So instead of updating the model and expecting the view to resize appropriately, you remo remove the model or remove that object from the array, then change the, the, the string and then insert it at the position you removed it from because then it doesn't trigger a, a, like a resizing, but it triggers a basically a removal and an insert, which obviously is super. Yeah. Uh, d like it's it's very clear that that logic is only there to fix a bug in yeah, Swift yeah, UI's yeah. Uh, uh, view rendering, yeah. which is not great. It's nothing that would break in case they do change something underneath, though, which I think is good with this. It would just be inefficient if they fix it. But those uh, kind of things, like especially on macOS, it seems often we're the only ones that tried this yeah. because uh, you can't find anything on Stack Overflow. Like if anyone ever asks for anything macOS, you're like, mm, no, we don't have any. We don't have anything. We don't have any solutions. Uh, so it, those kind of things are a bit frustrating. But uh, so far, we've found acceptable workarounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are writing your new app in SwiftUI? That's the, or are you just playing around with it, Zach? Uh, new app in SwiftUI, yes. All right. So the Petty Watch Ooh. app is currently written in SwiftUI. I haven't done oh, any yeah. more parts of Petty. It's actually it's actually pretty good for WatchOS. Um, watch, I mean, hmm. WatchKit wasn't great for UI things anyway, so SwiftUI hmm. is more powerful. Um, and SwiftUI was designed initially right. for that, right? Yes. Hmm. Uh, it is a bit more challenging on iOS, though. Um, so, going to see how it goes. Uh, the UI is not super complex at the moment. I've actually been focusing most of my efforts onto doing like a cool graph thing so I can plot mm -hmm. a given data set. It's taking ages. Um, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. But it's just like trying to get this graph to a point where it's nice and customizable uh, and the axes are labeled correctly and just all this stuff. It's like like painful. Um, and writing tests so that I don't stuff things up when I inevitably mm -hmm. change things. Um, the tests have actually been really good. Um, and As in UI tests? No unit tests. Um, oh, okay. Because I... I I'm concerned about the um, label. This is this is not a specific Swift UI problem. This is just a graph problem in general. Um, but trying to label the axes uh, and have it generate things, it's like I don't know. I just like need some tests because I'm gonna stuff something up, and I just know that I'm gonna stuff something up. So the tests have been really good because <laughs> I can just say this is what I'm expecting. Help me get there. And I currently have. Let me let me slide across to my Xcode window. I currently have like eight failing tests that I need to fix up. Um, it's a problem for this afternoon. Is that because you made functional changes or because you actually I made changes. Things that so, so okay. Uh, okay. I have. So you're doing like a test-driven development type of approach for, for the <laughs> for the axes labeling. Yes, this is not UI oh, work. Look at though. you. Um, mm -hmm. This is this is. I need so I, like given a data set, I need you to spit out. Uh, axes. Sorry, I need to split out labels for the axes, and uh, mm -hmm. it's quite complex. Well, it's complex for me. My mind is simple, um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm getting there. Um, but the the reason the test. So I had it working for like um, 
had it working for just like numeric. Uh, so like I don't know the range. Say let's say zero to three thousand. Like okay, how are we gonna how are we gonna divide that and and plot uh, labels for that? But one of the things I need to do is the the x axes is actually time. So I want time of day on the bottom. Mm-hmm. So given um, time intervals, not only do I need to like then work out how to split them, but also I need that to then be converted to like 3 p.m., 6 p.m., that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I have a thing mm-hmm. where I want it to be uh, split into three-hour chunks. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to show, like if it's if it's 3 a.m., I don't want to show the whole day's worth of thing. I want to show, um, I want to optionally show the whole day's worth of thing, but in some graphs I only want to show to that point. So it's just like, okay. I need like- customize all these things so much fun uh, because when you're talking about blood sugar if you're like two hours into the day you'd rather probably rather see it a bit more zoomed in um mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. It, it, like the the plot of the data if, especially if it's continuous is quite nice but you mm. um it's it's just better to see it in more detail if there's not as much data to show yeah, yeah, alternatively yeah. could do uh, like the nice. last 24 hours I'm like the UX side of things I need to work on because I want to start using, I can't, I'm, the app isn't in a position where I can use it and like learn from my own using of it. But um, mm-hmm. as I get, I'll get, I'll get there, but I kind of want this graph. How, that I can, how do you like, look at graphs? Do you care more about like, do you treat days as individual like sets of data that you kind of review or would you always want to have like a 24 hour v- chunk of view? Like a sliding window of 24 hours. So it absolutely depends on the context. So the app will definitely have history where you can go to any any given date in the past. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you absolutely want to see a 24-hour window. Um, mm-hmm. But there's different scenarios like on the – like the the concept the for the main tab, like the first tab is sort of your day at a glance. And mm-hmm. that's meant to be the today tab. So I think for that one, it makes a lot of sense that I'm only – like I'm showing the data from today. But then there's like – an averages tab and that's more about like trends and things like that um and i should probably should call that trends not averages mental note cool um so anyway that's going to be more a trends tab and i think in that case it probably makes sense to like the i don't know the first graph might be like the last 24 hours or you can customize Mm -hmm. that so there's like there's all these things i got to think about but anyway i'm kind of building this one graph that i i hope is customizable enough that can handle like up to twenty, mm. well, it needs to, it needs to handle up to twenty four hours worth of data, and the mm-hmm. axes will be labeled differently depending on the context. Mm. So, but it, okay. I mean that that mm. way you always have certain times of a day where the graph doesn't provide any value. Let's say like just after midnight. Yeah, what, yeah. Do you, you're, you're right. Like, yeah. You, I don't know. You awake longer. You, your day switches over, and all of a sudden you see like a graph of one minute. Mm. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So these are the things I have to think about. Um, mm. Yeah. And this, especially you as someone who tends to uh, sleep early and get up early, uh, you got to pay more attention to, to non, non-Zag use cases. Yeah, yes, it was good when we were traveling to Toronto now. We actually noticed that we had a time, um, it's called time zone related bug in mission control. Ah, nice. So it was a really, really useful trip. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. useful for other things too, but yeah, it turns out every time you started your timer, it started at three hours instead of zero hours. Yeah. So, uh, okay. I mean, it means you can build a lot more if you would be in Toronto. 
So I think otherwise. on a similar note, I'm going to have to take some flights to test the time zone support of this app. It's yeah. all business related, isn't it? I've got to cross that dateline a few times. I'll come to Vancouver once or twice. It's fine. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's, it sounds legit. Yeah. It's all research, <laughs> yeah. of course. Um, like as your, as your, uh, as uh, your uh, in-house accountant and oh. legal counsel, I totally approve of both of those decisions. Sweet. And the one to hire me as a legal and uh, <laughs> accounting <laughs> consultant. Uh. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, um, cool. um, but yeah, no, it's just it's interesting going sorry, back back to the SwiftUI thing. I was mm-hmm. I was hopeful mm-hmm. that it could like this app could be exclusively SwiftUI. Uh, not the case, but that's yeah. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the case for everyone. I don't think I've really like just hearing in kind of meetups and other similar environments where a lot of people would have played with SwiftUI. I don't think I've heard a lot of apps that can actually be like. Apps you would want to ship that are somewhat capable, that are 100%. I mean, sweet. if you have a yeah. tab bar yeah, and three, UI. like, navigation controllers with no custom UI, you'll be sweet. Yeah, it's like, you want just default stock view, uh, design? Okay. You kind of get that. Easy. Um, apart from, from the watch, watch seems to be universally accepted as a yeah, I was curious. better better alternative. Zach, when you made the... Uh when you made the watch app in SwiftUI, did you have to do any use any app kit for the UI? Uh, watch yeah, kit? App no, kit. no watch kit. Sorry, watch kit. No watch kit whatsoever. <laughs> like completely got okay. rid of, of watch kit. That's pretty impressive, that, yeah. and that would be nice. I think mm-hmm. I can imagine if it's if uh, if well, if iOS and macOS would work that well, I think it would be very appealing to yeah. pick it up. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I feel positive about it. I know, like sometimes. When you pick up new technology a bit earlier than it might should have been released, then people can feel a bit defeated by it. But I think I'm still very hopeful for it. I think I'm surprisingly positive about SwiftUI, considering that I do still run into some problems related to it. How do you feel? Do you feel like regret for picking this up for the iOS app, or are you happy about it? I don't feel regret. Um, I'm almost more content now knowing that I could use... UI kit for any part of the app I needed to. Now mm-hmm. that like the foundations mm-hmm. are in place and I have navigation controllers and other UI kitty things, like I don't know, hypothetically, if I run into a problem with the settings screen and I can't do something I want to do, I know that I can just make that screen just you know, UI kit. Like it's not the only. Mm-hmm. Part. So I almost feel more okay with that now. Like I did have a moment yesterday where I was like, man, this would be so easy in UI kit. Like I was just trying to do something and it's like it would just just five seconds like. Could cut, you know, just could customize this and don't have to worry about all these weird modifiers. And anyway, uh, but I am, I, like, I'm still okay with the decision to go with SwiftUI. Like, I think it will get more capable and maybe this time next year we'll be able to do everything with SwiftUI. Um, but also, it's a learning experience. And the thing is, I could come out the other end of this project and go, I really don't like SwiftUI and I appreciate not having to use it anywhere else. Like, that is also hmm. perfectly valid. Um, yeah. But I'm definitely... like but This is a project that doesn't, you know, doesn't need to make money, doesn't need to do any of that. So, it's like, I can just play around with it. I can spend some time, learn. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure eventually, like, in a corporate setting, SwiftUI will be used. So, it'd be good to have that knowledge ahead of time. Um, hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. Hmm. How about you? You're, I mean, I know you said you didn't really want to learn AppKit. Is that kind of... I mean, it's not that I didn't... Like where you're at in, in your decision it's not that to choose I, it. I'm religiously against learning AppKit. It's just I felt like it was no, no, no. But at this point. Yeah, no, fair. It seemed like a good good chance to to, to do some serious work with SwiftUI. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just based on that we're in 
the end of 2019, it just, I mean, it's unfortunate, but uh, I don't think AppKit in general will see as much love as SwiftUI will over the next few years. Mm. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. In the, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that would be a bad thing. I think AppKit is plenty capable. Mm. Uh, just seemed, based on everything we know, seemed like the smarter thing to spend time on right now and as you said it was actually quite uh, liberating to to have the first thing wrapped <laughs> like when you wrap your first uh ui kit or or um app kit view or component all of a sudden you're like all right i i it's it's kind of like your 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 key out of any kind of difficult situation right mm-hmm. because you're yeah. like all right i know how to do it the other way yeah so if I, I felt i felt the same when we started adding some app kit things which yeah. which sucks but at least you know how easy it is to do. And you know, it. So like if you a... can't come up with a way of figuring yeah. of doing something with your like there is literally no way. There are ways of doing. It. Or, or you just can't figure it out for yeah. whatever reason, right? I'm not saying everything that I run into is necessarily a Swift UI problem. It might be a kind Marlin problem. And that's totally fine. And that, well, that happens to... So. <laughs> yeah. And that happens to anyone, right? It's sometimes just that you don't think of a solution. At least I can fall back to a framework that I feel... I mean, I've used UIKit for, for a lot of... Like, I don't know how many years. Uh, a lot of years. So <laughs> I, I feel a lot more confident figuring things out there than I would in Swift UI. So it's just nice to know. It's like, I, I give it a good shot and then I, I give it a good amount of time on trying to Google a solution. And if both of those come up empty, I can always go back to uh, UIKit. And realistically, even AppKit. AppKit is not in, in a lot of places. I mean, sometimes it feels a bit older, but in a lot of places, you feel fairly confident coming from UIKit. So I, I just think that adds a nice layer of like comfort and safety into your, your project to know, mm-hmm. all right, there's always that option. Yeah. Yeah, no, I basically agree completely with that. That's how, how I felt yesterday after bringing in some UIKit. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think we'll probably give another update on a project in general uh, soon, once we ship. But that leads me to the next topic. Oh, what a segue. Right? I don't know where it goes yet, but well. Um, thanks, Ken. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, one thing I feel is that we are really close to shipping. But I am not concerned, but I am always sort of wondering when is the right time to ship something. When like, it's ready, Martin. <laughs> when when is something ready? I know that many if it's ready, you ship developers. <laughs> Thanks for all the all the great suggestions. Files, guys. new project, ship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I'm just curious. I think many developers tend to polish things a bit too long. And that can be bad, but at the same time, you also want to provide a good first impression to people. But I think it might depend slightly on like what your plan is with the app. If you're going to make a big marketing boom when you want to release something, then you want it to be pretty polished. But I think for something like Mission Control, we're planning on not having like a big release of it just because it is still going to be an integration to an existing, uh, like another system. It's both very niche and very utility. Yeah. So like, we build it because we had a need for it, right? And there are other people we know that also don't like the other solutions. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it, it's not really that needs to be super polished to convince people to use it. People try to find something to use. And if this is their only option, 
we 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 can <laughs> you know it it should still kind of get to a point where we're happy with where it is yeah, but the yeah. requirement you're not making another weather app and you compete with it with 10,000 yeah, right yeah so i'm not too concerned about our initial launch that is uh, more of a niche product but we actually like once we're done with this initial step we want to expand this and make our own backend server and actually make it possible for you to track uh, track your own time with our system and also um, eventually send invoices and invoice your clients. And I think that is a fair bit of work. And it's something that I think a lot of people would benefit from. And um, it could be covering a broader audience. And it's something I would like to be a bit more polished at that at that point then, because it's something that's really... Um, like, like that people actually have to make a decision whether or not they should use this app or if they should use another like generic time tracking app. And... Like I think hey. there are certain there are certain things that I really think will be great with mission control that I think uh, will be like reasons why obviously I would choose that app uh, mm -hmm. otherwise I wouldn't make it. Um, I'm just curious, like how do you tend to deal with those things? Like how do you know what goes into a release? How do you know when when to ship something and like what an initial version is? Such a great question. Um, also. Like not in our show disclaimer. notes. <laughs> no, no, no. Also disclaimer that like none of the projects, like the side projects that I've made shipping decisions over have the intention of making like any kind of real money. So none of my decisions have ever had implications. I don't know. I kind of personally like come up with a list of things that I want to do. Um, and like that needs like the list of things that say needs to be in a 1.0 and it might come up with this ahead of time and sometimes things get snuck in there and sometimes things don't make it in as well um mm -hmm. but yeah i kind of it's it's not like a scientific method by any means it's just like hey i think this would be a nice to have and then it's kind of like you're better at I mean, when you're in the heat of the moment and building something, it's so easy to go, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. If I yeah, delay this yeah. another week, I can do this. But I think if when you're planning it, and it's not, it doesn't even have to be at the beginning, but just like when you're planning it as you go, you kind of have a better, you know, like sitting here right now, this project that I'm working on, um, it's months away from shipping, realistically. I don't like, you know, I have free time, but not that much free time. So it's it's months away. <laughs> um and I'm probably in a good position now where I can be like, hey, if I can get it to this point with these features, then I'll be happy to ship. And, you know, in the heat of the moment, like in a few months time when I'm getting ready to ship, it'll be so easy to say I want to do this and this and this. But if I can go back to that list, which I've made now, and maybe the list changes a little bit as I go, but if I can go back to that list and use it as a base, then hopefully it's in a position where, um, like, you know, it's like kind of what past Zach thought was good. Hopefully that is still valid uh, and <laughs> yeah, hasn't sure. been. Yeah, I don't know because because I know what you mean. Like it's hard to to know where to draw the line, and like the other thing is, um, I think also business model can can play a part because I know you said you want to create a good impression, and if you have a if you have a completely free app, then maybe you can afford to ship without some key mm, mm -hmm. um, things that will, and you promise to add them later. But if you have a paid upfront app, you got to convince people mm -hmm. to give you money based on what they can do with the app today and if you say yeah, oh yeah. this does x but in the future y is coming there's no guarantee y is ever coming so you've i mean yeah, you yeah. might know it is but the, the person you're trying to convince to buy your software doesn't know that so they can only make their purchase decision based on what it can do so you kind of want to give that customer some value um mm. yeah it's a tough problem to solve realistically for for me what i i tend to do and kind of what we did with this project is to not try to leave polishing towards the end like mm -hmm. if yeah, we yeah. if yeah. we 
build something and we notice there's like a weird behavior or a small bug or some visual glitch, I always think it's the best strategy to fix that right then and there. Not go away, forget the context, forget the, the code base, forget like kind of, yeah, because you know, I, you don't, you, you know most about the code that you just wrote just yeah. after writing it. Yeah. yeah. And then kind of fixing those kind of things up and getting everything you built to level of polish where you're okay to ship it. Yeah. Even if it means you can't do like, you, you know, it's always hard, right? When you start a new project, you see like 12 things you really want to do. Yeah. But I, I try to be fairly um, disciplined in actually mm -hmm. finishing each, like, I mean, in the beginning, you might start a bit rougher, but then kind of very, as soon as I can, get into a point where I'm, building all the things to be kind of ship Yeah, what ready. I feel that like seems to I want to do is uh, aligning with your idea. I think even if I'm going to iterate on it and people might not see it as like a perfect product for them and like it might not be the solution for everyone because it's missing some features. I think as long as those features that are there still are polished, that's something I can be proud of. Mm. And it solves your problem, right? So you had you at least, your niche might be people that had the same problem you have. But realistically, that's, I don't think it's too hard to to naturally feel like you know at some point during development you feel like all right now it's useful yeah you know yeah. even if you don't didn't realize that earlier like at some point if you work on something you care about you will have that moment at some point you're like whoa this is actually yeah. you know in the beginning you're like everything is kind of just like basic labels and and buttons mm -hmm. and it doesn't really work it works for your very narrow you know, you, you yeah, usually yeah. build it with something that's super narrow and kind of works when you know exactly how to use it. Yeah, yeah. But as you keep working on that, at some point you're like, hmm, this is actually pretty solid now. And yeah, I think that's yeah. the point when you're like, all right, is this in, in the market it enters and for, for kind of the use case it has, is it something that other people would also look at and be like, oh, this is pretty neat. And if that's yeah. the case, you know, you, you can ship it. Hmm. Like that's yeah. at least the point where you're like, all right, maybe I'm I'm really close. Yeah, and you can yeah. think about it. You know, that's a nice thing about software. If you yeah. have like a roadmap for the next three years, doesn't mean you have to wait three years. It just means you have yeah. three years yeah. of things to make the app better. I think we've been super on. on yeah, this is not a complaint about our progress at all. I'm I'm happy about it. I like the attitude of like every feature is ready to go, but that's. Mm -hmm. In, and in an ideal world, it works well, but like there are sometimes things are dependent on other features or, um, you know, bugs creep up. Like, you know, something when you, when you built it and when you thought you finished building, it, you might think it's ready to go. And then a month later in your testing, something pops up. So it's like, but I also think like testing as you develop is super important. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like, I wouldn't build a half baked feature, merge it into master and be like, Oh, uh, I'm not going to ship until I fix it. But, um, you know, not deliberately shipping bugs, but like things happen. Mm. So, but yeah. I think it's also really important. Like, if you have something that you built for yourself, you, you're essentially dog fooding it all the time, right? So you're more likely to, you know, like, whenever you would work on something you don't actually care about, that's when you're more likely to miss bugs because you don't use your software. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's the worst possible environment to build yeah. software. It's always a lot easier when you build something that you care about that you want to use because then you use it a lot and then you run into those issues earlier. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is also, and I mean, generally good advice work on things you you care about because then 
you're you're happier your the product is better and the the users using it will you know you know you build it from a user's perspective which is mm. always useful and i mean in the end we're also not building bridges you know it, even if something slips through it, you know it's not like yeah. it, it i mean at least for for a time tracker it's not causing <laughs> uh, the world is not gonna end. yeah nothing is going to collapse and and crash into into uh i, I mean you would have have to have written a very serious bug yeah it's... yeah it's very unlikely yeah. like so it's also like even if you feel like you're i'm 99 confident we're good yeah. you know release it and if not yeah. you spend a day in fixing it We'll be all right. Yeah, but I think I think we're gonna. Um, By the time this episode is out, we might have already have our release. That's true. Candidate. That's true. Maybe it's release candidate or even out. Yeah. Well, I mean, first I have to get access to my developer account again. Uh, no, we have to make a new developer. Yeah, account. that's true. So there are all those things. Ah, there are all those boring things that we have to do. Like Don't you look forward to give Apple our Dunst D U N S number? I always forget what it is. Yeah. Ah, oh, fun. Fun! Exclamation mark. Fun. That's right. So much fun. All right. Cool. All right. All um, right. Chat with you in a couple weeks. Yep. Enjoy yeah. Thank yep. you. Enjoy your 14-inch uh, MacBook that probably <laughs> was released. Well, no. for the listeners, we will chat in another week. We're not going to skip. A no, week. no. But for us, no. there'll be a two-week gap. Yeah, because we record this in the past. <laughs> So confusing. <laughs> Compared to all the other episodes that we record in the future. Shh, don't tell them. <laughs> mm. All right. Talk to you later. All, all right. right. Bye-bye. Bye.